Good evening, listeners. Welcome to the Nightly Crow Catcher with Corey Bank. This is episode 57. I'm excited to be here with you all tonight. I am your host, and you're listening to WQEE 99.1 FM, the key at Noonan, Georgia. I hope everyone's having a great night. It's now time to enter the late night madness. Welcome to our NFL Week 4 Games of the Week recap segment. Each week, we're going to do recap of two of the best 1 o'clock Sunday games, two of the best 4 o'clock games, and the feature Sunday night game and the Monday night game. At the end of the NFL pick'em slash recap segment, I'll be announcing the rest of the league's recap and scores and our music news segment. But we have a wonderful treat tonight as we're going to go into our first game on this trail, which is our London game between the Atlanta Falcons versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Calvin Ridley is making the most of his second chance in more ways than one. The wide receiver held on to a touchdown pass after a couple of key drops last week to help the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Atlanta Falcons 23-7 on Sunday at Wembley Stadium. Besides defeating his old team, Ridley is also catching up on lost time. He was suspended for the entire 22 season for violations of the league's gambling policy, but I'm so proud of Calvin, what he's been able to do through his life. He's put a lot of things behind him. He's focused on the future, Jags coach said Doug Peterson. Obviously, his testimony, it's one that can be spread to a lot of professionals and the younger generation. He got in the end zone and got my team a touchdown. Coach recommends. So Josh Allen had three sacks and Darius Williams returned an interception for a 61-yard score to help the Jaguars, who are now 2-2, halt a two-game skid. With a series of big plays as the team celebrated, playing for the 10th time in London, they held on as the Falcons tried to rally in the second half. Trevor Lawrence sidestepped the blitzing Richie Grant and lofted a deep ball to a wide-open Ridley for a 30-yard touchdown pass in the first quarter. Williams stepped in front of wide receiver Drake London, intercepted Desmond Ritter's pass, and outran the second-year quarterback into the end zone to make the score 17-0 in the second quarter. It was the first pick six in London since 2016, and the Falcons have dropped two in a row and Ritter making his 8th NFL start showed some inexperience with interceptions on back-to-back throws in the first half. I did a terrible job taking care of the ball, Ritter said, but we got to find a way to start faster, whatever that may be. However, it is that we have got to get a better read on the ball. After the pick 6, Andre Sisco intercepted Ritter's next pass and intended for Kyle Pitts on a crossing route and returned it to the Atlanta 20. Cisco fumbled, but teammate Foyzad Olukun recovered it at the 16, and Pedersen's opted against a chip shot field goal for a 20-point lead, and Lawrence was sacked on 4th and 1 from the 7 by David Ionetta. So Lawrence finished 23-30 for 207 yards and a touchdown pass. There's a ton more out there for us offensively. A couple of plays that I missed that I'm kind of kicking myself over, said Lawrence. Improved the 2-1 in London, but Christian Kirk 
led the Jags with eight receptions for 84 yards. Ridley drafted 26th overall in 2018 by the Falcons, had two receptions for 38 yards, but Atlanta came out energized in the second half, and Ritter finished a 75-yard drive with a 15-yard touchdown pass to London to cut the Jacksonville's lead to 17-7. London only got one foot down at the back of the end zone on a 4th and 3 from the 6th, with just over 6 minutes remaining, and the score 20-7. Bajon Robinson rushed for 105 yards on 14 carries for the Falcons. Brandon McManus kicked 3 field goals, including a 56-yarder for the Jaguars. Ritter finished 19-31 for 192 yards, the touchdown and 2 interceptions. So the Falcons didn't get a first down until early in the second quarter when John U. Smith caught a 15-yard pass to their 44. Atlanta only got across the 50-yard line with 5.55 left in the half when Robinson took Cook an 8-yard carry to the Jacksonville 47. Two plays later, Williams has his pick 6. Allen increased his sack total to 6 this season a week after the Jags had none against the Texans in a 37-17 game. So I'm ready to win games, he said. I want to be the guy that the defense can count on. But I felt like I personally let the team down this week. But they've been streaky. The Jags snapped a three-game losing streak at Wembley, where they hadn't won since beating the Baltimore Ravens 44-7 in the 2017 season. Two years ago, Jacksonville ended a 20-game skid with a 23-20 win over the Miami Dolphins at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But now we're on to an injury report. As for the Falcons, defensive back D. Alford was evaluated for a concussion. And Jaguars return specialist Jamal Agnew was inactive after being listed as questionable. His backup Parker Washington was slow to get up after fielding his first punt in the first quarter. He didn't return. So in this game, it was the Jacksonville Jaguars who took the Atlanta Falcons to the against it, folks, to the bank for the score. Of 23-7. Now we've got our next game. In this recap segment. The Miami Dolphins. Versus the Buffalo Bills. Stephon Diggs. Was so elusive on Sunday. The Bills star receiver even came away. With two full cups of beer. While celebrating. And joking. But yeah he owes the guy $18. But they did win 48-20. In which the Bills brought the Miami Dolphins. Who were unbeaten before this game. To an emphatic end. As bar tabs go. Dig celebration. In which he sprayed a group of people. In the corner of the end zone. Was the price both fans and the Dolphins. Had to pay for running into a Bills juggernaut. That scored an 8. On of its 9 possessions. That is unbelievable folks. But Josh Allen threw 4 touchdown passes. And added another rushing. As the Bills served a reminder. They know a thing or two about the offense, and defense for that matter. After spending much of the week hearing about the Dolphins producing one of the most impressive offensive performances in NFL history in that 70-20 win over Denver, we're just trying to wake everybody up and make people talk. Defensive tackle Ed Oliver said, we want everybody to know that this defense is for real, and we've got special guys. Although the Dolphins finished with 393 yards of offense, and Buffalo held Miami to 3 of 10 on 3rd down, and 0 for 3 on 4th down. The Bills also forced 2 turnovers and sacked 2 of Tagovailoa 4 times. The Dolphins had allowed just 1 sack in their first 3 games. 
The Bills suffered one major setback, though, when cornerback Tredavious White was carted off in the third quarter with what the team said was an Achilles tendon injury. White pulled up while covering Tyreek Hill and was unable to put any weight on his right leg. Coach Sean McDermott grew emotionally when White's injury came into play. We love him. We want to see him get back out there on the field. I know he'll rebound from this. But the Bills, who are 3-1, never trailed and finished with 414 yards of offense. The three-time AFC East champion Bills have won three straight since a season-opening loss at the New York Jets. The Dolphins, who are now 3-1, squandered chances to open a season with four wins for the first time since 1995 and to take a two-game lead over the Buffalo Bills in the division. Buffalo won its eighth straight at home over Miami and proved the 12-2 in the past 14 meetings, including a 34-31 win in the wild-card round of the playoffs last January. First off, I think the Buffalo Bills proved why they are the team our whole division is trying to beat. They've won it for how many years now? Wow. So Coach McDaniel truly respects what the Bills have put out there. I would be lying if I was pumped about anything from our team today, Coach McDaniel said. But I think the National Football League is a very humbling game. And if you're not on your stuff, you're going to be playing against a team like the Bills. You're not going to be executing. You must do this to the capacity and be able to keep your head down and grind every single game. So the game began as a track meet with the teams scoring touchdowns on each of the first two possessions. Buffalo made it three straight touchdown drives on Allen's six-yard pass to Stephon Diggs five minutes into the second quarter. After that, the Dolphins finally blinked. Miami closed the half with three punts and running back Raheem Moster losing a fumble, allowing Buffalo to build a 31-14 lead. Diggs provided the most electric play of the first half with a 55-yard touchdown. He caught Allen's pass at Miami's 40, broke two tackles on the sideline and scampered in the end zone. Diggs finished with six catches for 120 yards to enjoy his fourth career three-touchdown game and third with Buffalo. Allen finished 21-25 for 320 yards while posting his 10th career outing with four touchdown passes. Dolphins rookie running back Devon Acne had two touchdowns a week after scoring four times. He became just the fourth NFL rookie to combine for six touchdowns in consecutive games and first since Tampa Bay's Doug Martin back in 2012. Tagovailoa went 20 of 35 for 282 yards with a touchdown pass to Braxton Berrios and an interception. It's tough when you lose and you lose like this, but we're going to keep it together. Now, as far as Hamlin's debut, Bill Safety DeMar Hamlin appeared in his first game since going into cardiac arrest and needed to be put on the field during that game on a stretcher and onto the hospital. But he's come back, and it's incredible what he did. He was even in on a tackle with his limited special teams against Miami. Amazing. So, now we're on to our injuries report. For the Dolphins, left tackle Taron Armstead did not return after hurting his knee in the second quarter. Linebacker Jalen Phillips was out. He had an oblique injury, and he did not play. As for the Bills, cornerback Christian Benford returned, but was limited to special teams coverage after hurting his right shoulder in the second quarter. Safety Jordan Poirier 
had a knee injury, and he did not play. So in this game, it was the Buffalo Bills who took the Miami Dolphins to the bank by the score of 48-20. to Now we're on to our next game in the NFL recap segment. We've got the Cleveland Browns versus the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore was missing two receivers in its starting left tackle, later joined on the sideline by the starting right tackle. Its thin secondary was further depleted when two more defensive backs got hurt. The Ravens were undermanned against the NFL's top-ranked defense. None of that mattered to Lamar Jackson, though. Baltimore's electrifying quarterback ran for two touchdowns, threw for two more, and made Cleveland's rebuilt defense look broken while leading the Ravens to a 28-3 win on Sunday over the Browns who played without the injured quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Jackson scored untouched on runs of 10 yards and 2 yards, and he threaded a 7-yard scoring pass to tight end Mark Andrews, with 11 seconds left before halftime as the Ravens, who are now 3-1. Jackson put an exclamation point on the blowout in the fourth quarter with an 18-yard touchdown pass to Andrews, sending the few die-hard Cleveland fans who hung around hoping for a comeback towards the Eddings. So, Lamar, who is exactly what he claims to be, he's going to bring in a full skill set every game, Coach Ravens John Harbaugh said, who notches 150th career win. That's what we have to do, and we got it done. Baltimore took sole possession of first place in the AFC North, and the Browns, who are now 2-2, two and two, didn't have Watson because of a right shoulder injury sustained last week and had to star rookie Dorian Thompson Robson. The fifth rounder out of UCLA looked overmatched in his NFL debut, and Cleveland's offense already missing star running back Nick Chubb for the season with a knee injury gained just 166 yards on 53 on a meaningless final drive. Thompson Robinson threw three interceptions and was sacked four times. This organization, this team, needs to figure out what they're going to do if they're going to have faith, especially in their backup. Thompson Robinson did not have a great day today, but it's a picture of we don't know who they're going to be, who their backup's going to be. But the Ravens had plenty of their own injuries and were missing six regulars, including receivers Odell Beckham Jr. and Rashad Bateman. However, they still had Jackson, and he was more than enough. And Cleveland's defense came in ranked number one in virtually every major statistical category. But Jackson brought the Browns back to earth. He finished 15 of 19 for 187 yards passing, added 27 yards rushing, and made several spectacular plays, none bigger than his first touchdown throw to Andrews over several defenders in the back corner of the end zone. With Lamar, when that first play breaks down, then you have that second play he makes. Justice Hill who had 33 yards on three carries, said he's just a special player to watch. And Watson's injury for his shoulder last week on a running play cost remains to be costly. So Watson was limited in practice all week and was limited and was listed questionable. After he threw a handful of passes, that's when they had to make the decision. He wanted to go badly, but Browns coach Kevin Stefanski said of Watson, he pushed himself, he tried. He wasn't ready to play. And Jackson's first scoring run came after the Ravens picked off Cleveland's young quarterback. On the third down, Thompson Robinson's intended pass for Amari Cooper was deflected by cornerback Arthur Mullet 
and corralled by Brandon Stevens, who returned his first career interception for a touchdown, 52 yards out. Jackson took the next snap from the shotgun, ran left, and cut back the score, untouched, and put the Dravens up 7-0. But Garrett, Miles Garrett's defensive end of this Browns team, he means so much a team, he had a left foot injury and had a protective boot, which definitely caused a story here because he usually wreaks havoc in the backfield, is able to get the penetration he needs up front for this team. But after getting hurt in the third quarter, it was huge losing him in the game. Dave and the Joku, Cleveland tight end, played despite suffering burns on his face and arm while lighting a fire pit at home. But Najoku caught a team high of six passes for 46 yards. He arrived at the stadium wearing a mask to cover his injuries. He was adamant that he was going to make it, Stefanski said. That's a scary thing that happened to him. But we're now we're on to an injuries report. As for the Ravens, Daryl Worley, who started for injured safety, Marcus Williams went out with a shoulder injury in the first half. Offensive tackle Morgan Moses had a shoulder injury, got hurt in the second quarter, and cornerbacks... Jalen Armour Davis had a hamstring injury, and Arlett, Arthur Marlett, Mullet had left the game. As for the Browns, center Ethan Pochick had a chest injury and went out in the second quarter. He started the third before leaving with a knee injury. Pochick left the stadium with his knee in immobilizing brace, and Nick Harris, who was supposed to be there, the starter last season, had to be out of the game and got replaced by defensive end. So Alex Wright also had an injury in that game. But in this game, it was the Baltimore Ravens who took the Cleveland Browns to the bank by the score of 28-3. We'll be right back with more of the NFL recap segment. You don't want to miss it. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Dine in. Take out. It's Wishbone Fried Chicken. Right next door to their former location, bringing you the best chicken around. So great. Wishbone Fried Chicken, 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. Got mold? Call the Mold Man. Specializing in crawl space and interior mold remediation, encapsulations, and basement waterproofing since 2019. The Mold Man team takes pride in keeping your family healthy and your home mold free. Visit our website, themoldmanllc.com, to schedule a quote or give us a call at 678-227-9763. Hey, sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show. Every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. 
WQEE. Braves Country is a southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1 The Key at Noonan, Georgia. And now, we're on to our next game of our NFL recap segment. And this is between the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Washington Commanders. With the Eagles needing to channel the big play, clutch and crunch time machine that powered them to the Super Bowl, Brown saw Hurts bring the heat. That fire, Brown said. But Hurts threw for 319 yards and hit Brown for two touchdowns, and Jake Elliott kicked a 54-yard field goal in overtime to lift Philadelphia to a 34-31 win over the Washington Commanders on Sunday. For its second straight fourth and O start, Elliott also kicked field goals of 41, 47, and 36 yards before booming the winner that sent the crowd into a frenzy. My whole career has kind of been a roller coaster in terms of being in different and unique and unprecedented moments, which you may call pressure and stormy that fire, Hertz said, but that's what I was born in. I feel like it's a unique feeling being in those situations because you work so hard and you prepare so hard and you go through so much to put yourself in a position where you're comfortable in those moments. The Eagles survived a little late game drama that put them on the brink of being upset at home by the Commanders for the second straight season. But Hertz hit Brown for a 28-yard touchdown with 128 left in regulation for a 31-24 lead. Instead of killing the clock and trying for a winning field goal, the Eagles left enough time for Sam Howell to leave Washington to the tying score. Brown was flagged for taunting on his touchdown, giving the Commanders a boost Washington started on the Eagles 36 and tied it when Howell hit John Dotson for a 10-yard touchdown as time expired. Coach Ron Rivera went for the extra point in the tie on the road, a call that sent them tied and not at 31 all in OT. The commanders did nothing with the ball in OT. Hertz then converted a fourth down sneak that pushed the Eagles to Washington's 48-yard line and helped set up the winner. Sparked by Brown's nine catches for 175 yards and two touchdowns, the NFC champion Eagles are 4-0 in consecutive seasons for the first time since the 1992-93 season. A year ago, the Eagles were starting 8-0 with that start and got spoiled by Washington in that loss. But the Commanders tried it again and let 17-13 the third and tied it 24-24 in the fourth. Hertz came as close as he has all season to the type of dynamic games that punctuated last season's run to the Super Bowl. He sure knew how to connect with Brown. Hertz and Brown are well past a brief spat on the sidelines during that home opener and are instead hooking up for the game-changing scores. Hertz hit Brown in stride, and the speedy receiver cut across the field and scored a go-ahead 59-yard touchdown at third. The Eagles converted the two-point conversion for a 21-13 lead. Brown wore bright green cleats a week ago for one series against Tampa Bay before he changed the standard footwear to avoid getting fined by the league. He bucked the fashion rules again and wore highlight pink cleats. Brown says the flashy colors make it easier for his young daughter to spot him on the field. 
and then had Philly's biggest highlight of the game. After the Commanders rallied, Brian Robinson Jr.'s 15-yard score made it 24-all. The Eagles responded, and Brown hauled in his score. Howell was 29-41 for 290 yards. It was definitely a game. I think we should have won, and we were capable of winning it, Howell said. We feel like we can play a lot better, and that is a good thing. We really close against a good team. But a week after Howell threw four interceptions and was sacked nine times, he went 13-17 for 161 yards in his first half behind an offensive line that gave him plenty of time to throw and take a 17-10 lead into the break. Yes, the commanders used ball control. They had the ball for 17 minutes in the first half to get a one-yard touchdown run from Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin's fumble recovery in the end zone for a 14-7 lead. But the Eagles did their best to give away the game. They were penalized six times in the half, and two were especially critical. On the game's opening drive, linebacker Zach Cunningham was whistled for a holding penalty on 3rd and 11. Washington got new life, and Samuel scored. The Eagles also lined up in touch-push formation at midfield on 4th down, only to have a likely first down thrown out on a holding penalty. The Eagles punted. DeAndre Swift, who entered 2nd, and the NFL in rushing had a five-yard score that made the 14-7 game. Washington's Joey Sly and Elliott each followed with field goals. Elliott opened the second half with a 47-yarder that cut it to 17-13. Then the fun really began. Eagles coach Nick Sirianni appreciated the character, trust, and coolness needed for a team to pull out a win like this one. He could just do without the frayed nerves. That's not good for me. When we have to win in overtime, he said, there's a lot of anxiety going on in there. But now we're on to an injury report. As for the commanders, defensive back Jartavius Martin suffered a thumb injury. Eagles right guard Cam Jurgens suffered a foot injury. And the Eagles linebacker Nicholas Morrow had three sacks after he had four total over his first 81 games. So congratulations to him. And in this close one between the Eagles and the commanders, it was the Philadelphia Eagles who pulled this game out in overtime fashion by the score of 34-31. Now we're on to our next game of the NFL recap segment. And this is between the Kansas City Chiefs versus the New York Jets. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs appeared on their way to a blowout against the struggling New York Jets. A few mistakes by the star quarterback made it uncomfortably close, but he had... The Chiefs shook off a subpar performance during which they blew a 17-point lead and then held on for a 23-20 victory Sunday night. I knew I put us in two bad positions, said Mahomes, who was intercepted twice. No one points the fingers at that guy in the locker room. We all play together. Not everything is going to be pretty, but the guys responded, and we found a way to win. With pop superstar Taylor Swift watching Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs for the second straight game, this time from a suite at MetLife Stadium, Kansas City was able to bounce back after the Chiefs 3-0 start, really now 3-1, regained the lead on Harrison Bucker's 26-yard field goal with 10:51 remaining. Zach Wilson made his first big mistake for the Jets when he lost a snap. Tershawn Wharton recovered and Mahomes and the Chiefs got the ball at the Jets' 47-yard line. Michael Carter II intercepted Mahomes on 3rd and 20 from the Jets' 40, but it was negated by a holding call on Sauce Gardner. 
Replay showed it was a questionable call and irate. Jets coach Robert Salas stormed the sideline to shout at an official. The fourth quarter, it's crunch time, Gardner said. I don't even know what to say, but Mahomes, who has a 25-yard run on third and 23 to extend the drive, ran for nine yards on another third down to the Jets' two-yard line, sealing the victory. Listen, I thought it was a hold, said Chiefs coach Andy Reid. Even Andy Reid, the coach of the Chiefs, thought it was a hold, who tied Tom Landry for fourth on the career list with his 250th regular season victory. I've got to go back and look at the tape on that one. But he was on the other side of the field. They're aggressive, so they're going to get a couple of those during the game. Sauce is as good as there is in the league, but he might have had a little bit of fabric there. I think it was a questionable call, but who am I to say? Moments later, a still angry Sala was called for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, and the clock hit zero on a bitter loss for the Jets, who are now 1-3. and three. Just that whole drive after the fumble was unfortunate, Sala said. That's extremely unfortunate, especially for a primetime football game. Mahomes, who became the fastest of 200 NFL touchdowns, was 18 of 30 for 203 yards and a touchdown. He also ran for 51 yards to set the franchise's career rushing mark for a quarterback. Isaiah Pacheco rushed for 115 yards and a touchdown on 20 carries. And Kelsey had six catches for 60 yards. It was a lot of hard grinding tonight, Pacheco said, but Wilson had his best game since taking over for the injured Aaron Rodgers, going 28-39 for 245 yards and two touchdowns, but he blamed himself for the loss because of the lost fumble. To be driving there, to drop a snap, I cannot do that. And Wilson, you can't do that. You did have the best game, personally, that I think you started as New York Jet, but when it came down to crunch time, that is something that you have to overcome. Trailing 20-12, though, Wilson and the Jets opened the second half with the ball and marched down the field, and Wilson found Alan Lazard in the middle of the end zone for a 10-yard touchdown pass. The quarterback then avoided the tackle attempt, rolled out, and zipped forward for a two-point conversion that tied the game at 20. Rodgers, who rejoined the, his teammate Saturday, after tearing his left Achilles tendon in his debut on September 11th, was shown on the stadium video screens, clapping and cheering after the score, sitting in a suite with the Jets owner Woody Johnson, and that got the New York fans even more fired up. It appeared it would be a blowout early when Pacheco slipped a tackle attempt by Michael Clemens in the backfield on third and one. That made it a move downfield and then zipped into the end zone for a 48-yard touchdown. That made it 10-10, the 10-0. Mahomes threw the 200th touchdown pass of his career, reaching the milestone in his 84th game to break Dan Marino's NFL record when he connected with Noah Gray on a 34-yard score with 324 left in the first quarter. But Marino threw his 200th touchdown pass in his 89th NFL game back with Miami in 1989. The Jets got on the scoreboard early in the second quarter when Chiefs right tackle Jawan Taylor was called for a face-backs penalty on Bryce Huff in the end zone, resulting in the safety. The play seemed to breathe some life into New York's offense, and Greg Zerline's 31-yard field goal made it 17-5. Ashton Davis intercepted Mahomes' throw to Gray to open the Chiefs' next possession, and New York took advantage. After Randall Cobb extended the drive by reaching out for a first down on 3rd-5 to the 19. Wide receiver Xavier Gibson gained 14 yards on an end-around to put the ball at the 5. Two plays later, Wilson found C.J. Uzuma 
for a one-yard touchdown to cut the Jets' deficit to 17-12. But Bucker's 37-yard yarder made it 20-12. And that's the bottom line in this game. The Jets chose to try the field goal instead of going for a fourth down. I personally thought, if you want to try to win this football game, you got to believe in your offensive line. It is fourth and one. It's go time. Line up your backs in the backfield. Run an eye formation and run up the gut. And they should have done it in the game because that was a turning point in this one. But there was a special ring of honor for their former Jets defensive lineman, Joe Klecko. He received his Pro Football Hall of Fame ring of excellence during a halftime ceremony. And Klecko, who also served as Jets honorary captain for the pregame coin toss, was inducted into the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio in August. He played for the Jets from 1977 to 1987 and was the heart of the team's New York sack exchange. Now we're on to our injury report. Linebacker Cole Christensen left in the second quarter with a hamstring injury and didn't return. As for the Jets, cornerback Brandon Eccles injured a hamstring in the second quarter and was ruled out. But all in all, in this nail-biter of a game, it was the Kansas City Chiefs who took the New York Jets to the bank by the score of 23-20. We'll be right back with our last game of our NFL recap segment, and then we'll be going around the league for the scores for last weekend's games. You don't want to miss it. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home, offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control, repair, bond, Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control, 34 Jefferson Street, Noonan, 770-954-9941. Want to give back to your community in a meaningful way? Cares for Kids is a Keller Williams Realty-founded charity in which 100% of money raised goes directly to children in need in our area. Cares for Kids helps fund local organizations like Angel's House, Coweta Casa, Elevate, and more. Help Cares for Kids reach their mission of serving 1 million children. Call 678-634-9770 today to learn more on how to be involved or text K4K Noonan to 44321 to donate. This week's Property of the Week is located at 688 Cheatham Road in Griffin, Georgia. This 32.14 acre track is waiting to find its new owner. This property features a three bed, two bath home built in 1890. An 18 by 28 utility shed ran with its own power and water, fencing for horses and other livestock, and timber such as pine, oak, and pecan trees. Call 678-634-9770 for more information. How do you make the most of your land? Everyone has their way. The Nelsons depend on their John Deere Gator XUV 835R to get from point A to point B with decoys and the dogs. As much as we got going on, it's all about efficiency. And if you ask the Mosers what they use their Gator XUV 590M for, they tell you. The most fun we have on the Gator is just ripping around the property. There are millions of ways to make the most of your land. Learn how to make the most of yours at Deere.com. Nothing runs like a deer. 
I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, and even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. I'm not going to lie. I know nothing about cars. And I don't really mind keeping it that way. This, it's cool. I called CarShield before my car broke down. Thanks to CarShield, I don't have to understand anything about what's broken. Because plans can pay for repairs on up to 6,000 parts of my car. Leave fixing cars to the experts and call CarShield before your car breaks down and maybe save some money for once. It's a thought. Call 800-579-6554. 800-579-6554. At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy, because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crow Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key at noon in Georgia. And now, we're on to our last game of the NFL recap segment. Monday night, we've got the Seattle Seahawks versus the New York Giants. With all the points the Seattle Seahawks were scoring this season, it was easy to overlook their defense. They were excellent against the run, but the pass defense was horrible. A new legion of boom appeared on Monday night and wreaked havoc on Daniel Jones and the New York Giants. Rookie cornerback Devon Witherspoon scored on a 97-yard interception return late in the third quarter. And the Seahawks tied a team record with 11 sacks and a 24-3 victory over the struggling and offensively inept Giants. We're just getting going, Seattle coach Pete Carroll said. We're just putting it together. A night like this for our defense to play that explosively, I cannot remember seeking double-digit sacks. Geno Smith threw a 60-yard touchdown pass to D.K. Metcalf in the first quarter after a strip sack by defensive end. Mario Edwards Jr. set up a short drive, and Kenneth Walker III scored on a one-yard run just before halftime as the Seahawks, who are now 3-0, won their third straight game. A fourth-quarter interception by Quayandre Diggs set up a 34-yard field goal by Jason Myers as Seattle improved to a 6-0 at MetLife Stadium, including the franchise's only Super Bowl win, a 43-8 decision over Denver following the 2013 season. Besides the sacks, Seattle held New York, which played without star running back Saquon Barkley. He had an ankle injury for the second straight game. To 248 yards in total offense, 6 of 16 on third down, and forced two turnovers. Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, Witherspoon, and Ochenna Nuoso each had two sacks. I think we needed it. Easy game defensively, said Wagner, who also had 17 tackles. We've been getting better. We've done a good job stopping the run. But the thing was applying pressure. The last game we had a lot of pressures, but not as many sacks. 
I think this game, we turned those pressures into sacks. The bottom line is, the Seahawks defense was explosive, getting through the tackle box, and the offensive line of the Giants had nowhere to go. They weren't coming together on those run blocks. As a result, Bobby Wagner, like I just said, has 17 total tackles in the game, and you had four different players who had multi-sack games. You are doing something right with your defensive line wreaking havoc, creating plays for the likes of your other guys at the second level. And in the secondary, when you have a pick six of 97 yards to the house, you are doing something right. They're balancing the game on all cylinders, and they got the job done in this game. And Graham Gano hit a 55-yard field goal for the Giants, who are now 1-3, who have played one good half and four games this season and have looked nothing like the team that made the playoffs last year for the first time since 2016. Seattle was clinging to a 14-3 lead late in the third quarter when the Giants moved from their 43 to the Seahawks' 5. On second and goal, Daniel Jones tried to hit Paris Campbell, and the receiver seemed to stumble. Jones' pass went to Witherspoon, the number 5 overall pick in the draft, and he scored, almost untouched, crossing the right side off the field to the left to making it a 21-3 game. It was a play that we had seen on film formation, Witherspoon said, of his first NFL interception nonetheless. He ran basically a return route. I jumped it, he threw the ball, and just tried to get right in the box. That was my whole mindset. And the Giants offense had really struggled the past two games without Barkley and left tackle Andrew Thomas. Missing his third straight game with hamstring injury, no excuses. We didn't get the job done. New York coach Brian DeBowell said the Seahawks didn't do a lot against the Giants defense. The only real drive they had was seven plays for 75 yards just before halftime. That was engineered by the backup Drew Locke, who replaced Smith after he tweaked a knee and needed an x-ray. So the drive that included a 51-yard pass to Noah Fant, Smith, who returned for the second half, finished 13-20, 410 yards. A batter Jones was 27-34. For 203 yards, he ran the ball 10 times for 66 yards. This was the Giants' second home game this season, and both have been ugly this far. There were mostly Cowboy fans in the stands after a 40-0 season opening loss, and the fans left at the end of this one and wore Seahawks colors. This is unreal, folks. You're telling me that the Giants have only scored three points at home all year in front of their fans? That is unreal. They've given up 61 points in their two games at home, and it's upsetting to the fan base in New York to see that, and Coach DeBolt is very unhappy with the surroundings. But Seattle's first offensive play from scrimmage took about five minutes. Walker took a handoff and headed right inside the linebacker, Bobby Ocarina, broke through and seemingly made a tackle for a two-yard loss for a moment where everyone thought that maybe they'd have a chance in this one. But Walker thought his body never touched the turf, and he got up and ran 20 yards down the field, stopped, and then went to the end zone. When an official ruled it, it was a touchdown. So there was an official review, but Kenneth Walker, being able to know and have IQ awareness in this game, good football knowledge, to know that he didn't hit the turf, and the call was reversed. The touchdown call was reversed, but in the end of the day, had great game awareness. Now we're on to our injury report. Seattle safety Jamal Adams sustained a concussion on the opening series after being kneed in the helmet while attempting to tackle Jones. 
Adams was playing in his first game since tearing his quadriceps in the 2022 opener. And right guard Phil Haynes aggravated a calf injury and had to leave in the first half. Guard Daniel Lewis had an ankle injury and left in the second quarter. As for the Giants, rookie center John Michael Schmitz had a shoulder injury. And number two tight end Daniel Bellinger had a knee injury. They left the game in the first half. But all in all, in this game, it was the terrifying Seattle defense that took the Giants to the bank by the score of 24-3. Now, we're going to give you our scores around the league. So, the Broncos versus the Bears. The Broncos overcame such a huge disadvantage in this one. They were down 20-plus points, came back, and beat the Bears 31-28. Rams versus Colts. Rams took care of business in this win against the Colts 29-23. And Nakoa has hitting records for a guy who has caught the most passes through thus far in his career in NFL history at this point in time. Unbelievable. Stafford's dialing up Nakoa. The defense playing great. Aaron Donald getting the backfield. And the Rams got it done, 29-23. Cardinals versus 49ers. What can I say? The Niners keep it rolling. Christian McCaffrey breaks a franchise record. He breaks Jerry Rice's record of most touchdowns in consecutive games ever in a 49er uniform. He will go down in history for a Hall of Fame performance like he's done in his first 13 games. Unbelievable. They won the trade in this one. Brock Purdy was consistent with his passes and yet again, Brandon Ayuk had a great game. It was too much in this one. 35-16. Raiders versus the Chargers. Justin Herbert getting everything to go. And they are dialing it up on the running game. And once again, the Raiders have a question mark here. Have they found the quarterback of their future? Yes, they have Jimmy Garoppolo. He's played decent football. He's been a game manager. But is he a guy who's going to take you to the promised land? And that's not going to be answered here because the Chargers won this game 24-17. Steelers versus Texans. In this one, everyone thought that the Steelers were going to go into the Texas land and take care of business. There was a ring of honor ceremony for J.J. Watt. But wow, did that Texas defense play sound football and put on a clinic? And this 30-6 victory over the Steelers. Unbelievable. C.J. Stroud, they just drafted this man this year, has been a great quarterback so far, a leader, as you will, and they win this game, 30-6. to Patriots versus Cowboys. Oh, Zeke Elliott, it's his first time coming back to playing against the Cowboys since he played for them last year. We thought there would be a little bit better effort. We thought Mac Jones maybe was going to have a decent day, but the bottom line is, Coach Belichick pulled Mac Jones late in the third quarter, and there's a question mark on the future quarterback for the Patriots. They're not the same team when they had Tom Brady. They couldn't get the running game going there with Zeke Elliott, and their defense did not play that great. Even Jadun, their best defensive player, got a little bit hurt in this game. But the Cowboys and their offense with Dak Prescott dialing all the cylinders with C.D. Lamb and Pollard, Roll over them. And not even that. They're suffocating defense, causing turnovers for scores. The Cowboys are for real in this league this year. And the question mark 
for Bill Pelichek's Patriots remains to be seen. They lost this game 38-3. Vikings versus Panthers. The Vikings in this game had a little bit of problems on offense, but it was the defense that got it done that caused a defensive score near the end of the game with their quarterback, Bryce Young, for the Panthers. We don't know if he's the right quarterback for the Panthers. The Panthers are kind of in shambles. They can't figure out how to run the ball correctly. And this one, not getting the penetration up front. The Vikings needed this one. I believe the Vikings are a talented bunch, but they've been in a funk. Kirk Cousins is one of the best quarterbacks in football. No question about it. They finally figured out how to get a win. I think they're going to piece together other wins because I think the Vikings the rest of the season are going to turn it around and be competitive in their division. So the Vikings take this one. 21-13. Bucks versus Saints. What can I say? No one saw this coming. Baker Mayfield's play at quarterback in his leadership. Unbelievable story. The guy last year was bouncing around two different teams. It was a question mark if he was going to win the starting job this year for the Bucks. And man, he has gotten it done. He has delivered. That defense has been playing great. Lights out with Devin White. And Mike Evans continuing to get it done. And they're playing like a team who is going to be the best in the division so far. And they take it in this division win. 26-19 over the Saints. The Saints... They thought they were getting the quarterback of the future with Derek Carr, but he has not been playing that great football. But the offensive line hasn't been blocking for him either. They don't really have an answer for him and helping him with the run game. Alvin Kamara is not the same running back that he used to be when he played when Drew Brees was his quarterback. So that's going to be a question mark, and the Saints are not the same team. Bucks win this game, 26-19. Bengals versus Titans. Ooh, King Henry came back with this one. Rushing and having a great day on the ground. Titans playing tough football. Playing stout on defense, filling the gaps, doing whatever it takes, controlling the clock at the line of scrimmage, running the football, making this an ugly one for Joe Burrow in the Cincinnati Bengals. What has happened with Joe Burrow? He does not have an offensive line to keep him upright and being able to make the throws in the pocket. He's not the same quarterback that he was. He got his big paycheck. We don't know if he's the same quarterback that took the Bengals to the Super Bowl two years ago. Is Joe Burrow the answer to this franchise? Is Jamar Chase the franchise wide receiver that they're looking for? Do they have a run game? And the Titans, I think they found a formula to win games. Play great defense. Control the ball on the ground. And let Tannehill be a game manager. This concludes... Our segment on our recap. We'll be right back with music news. You don't want to miss it. When you really need something to get you through a long graduation ceremony, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are there to give you a thrill. With varieties like Trolley Sour Bursting Crawlers, the worm's soft and chewy texture, surprising flavor combinations, and neon bright colors will give everyone a reason to celebrate. So when you want to notch the festivities up a couple degrees, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are the perfect way for everyone to celebrate. Shop now for any trolley that crawls your way. This is Austin Black, and I am the host of Behind the Tunes. Have you ever wondered about the stories behind your favorite songs and the journeys of those that sing them? 
each week we invite you to go behind the tunes and step into the stories behind your favorite Christian artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Hey everybody, this is Andy Crispin. Join me this week for worship as I play two hours of the best in modern worship music from churches and worship leaders around the world. And this week, my special guest is Blake Goss of New Spring Worship. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making ways in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For us, that scripture came alive because he did a new thing actually in an old place. You don't want to miss a moment of this week's worship with me, your host, Andy Crispin. WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. Home of Southern Sports and Talk. Noonan, Sharpsburg, Franklin. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crow Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, The Key, FM at Noonan, Georgia. And now, we're on to our music news segment. And our first story is about a rock band kicking off their Las Vegas residency next. Get ready to rattle and hum. U2's Las Vegas residency kicked off Friday, September 29th. The band added several more shows to U2, Uvia Chung, Baby Live at, S- at Sphere, which was originally announced in a Super Bowl commercial. In anticipation for the Las Vegas residency, U2 will drop a new single, Atomic City, on Friday. The band released the music video teaser on Wednesday. U2 announces the 12 and Additional shows for you two. So tickets to the Las Vegas residency currently start at around 200 to 250 on sites as StubHub, SeatGeek, Vivid Seats, and Ticketmaster. According to an announcement in May, U2.com paid subscribers were able to submit a pre-sale ticket request for the newly added shows even if they already have tickets for previous concerts. Pre-sale and general on-sale began in May. Citing unprecedented demand, the band, who have nearly two dozen Grammys under their belt, announced the new batch of residency concerts at the Sphere on May 12th, with a press release noting that there has been more than one million ticket requests at the time. The eight additional concerts bring the show total to 25, with recently added dates happening December 1st through the 16th, this isn't the first time U2 has extended its residency. In addition to new dates added in May, the band added seven dates in late April, also citing demand for tickets and its decision to tack on more shows. U2 hasn't played live since December of 2019, and we need to get back on stage and see the faces of our fans again, said Bono. The Edge and bassist Adam Clayton said and a previous statement announcing the Las Vegas residency at the new state-of-the-art theater at the Venetian. And what a unique stage building for us out there in the desert. We're the right band. So the right venue to take the live experience of music to the next level. That's what U2's been trying to do all along with our satellite stages and video installations, most memorably on the Zoo TV tour, which ended in, to- in Tokyo 30 years ago this fall, Sphere is more than just a venue. It's a gallery, and U2's most memorable music going on all over the walls. Thank you, U2, for everything you've done for music. We'll be right back with our last story of music news. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> 
The Baxters have a new first book. From number one New York Times best-selling novelist Karen Kingsbury, author of life-changing fiction, comes The Baxters, a prequel. The heart-pounding story of Carrie Baxter's wedding. Amidst family tension and the worst storm Bloomington, Indiana has seen in a decade. The Baxters by America's favorite inspirational storyteller, Karen Kingsbury. Visit KarenKingsbury.com for more information. The Baxters, available now wherever books are sold. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, and even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. Are you an unsigned artist that's looking to take the next step in your career? Look no further. Your time is now. Joint Empire Troop has come to your rescue. Owners Casey Case and Cameron Winokur are ready to make your musical dreams come true. Whether you're looking to record your next track, compose your next project, or need help with mixing and mastering your existing music, we will always be here for you in your time of need. For more information, go to www.joinempiretroop.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crow Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key at noon in Georgia. And now we're on to our last story of music news. And this is about the future of hip hop, predicting R&B and hip hop next legends. If there's one constant in the music industry, it's this question. Who's got next? As hip-hop's 50th anniversary celebration continues, its various GOAT lists, special compilations, and other reflections on the past have also have conversations about which younger artists now would warrant a similar spotlight in the future. After the respect and props being accorded to hip-hop's fearless pioneers this year, who will be the next trustees ensuring hip-hop's future? With, with what in mind? So, in determining those selected, we consider the impact each candidate has achieved to date, but focused even more on the potential each has for the sustaining and building of that. So, with sure further ado, we have our new up-and-coming legends in the hip-hop industry. First one, Cardi B's metaphoric rise from a social media personality featured on VH1's Love & Hip Hop New York to one of the biggest hip-hops Stars of the 21st century can be credited to her unapologetic, bold, yet irresistibly charismatic attitude. She's the female rapper with the most hot 100 number one hits, five, and the RIAAA certified diamond singles, three, while her debut album, Invasion of Privacy, became the first rap album by a female artist to be nominated for an Album of the Year Grammy in 15 years. But although she's already written new chapters in hip-hop's history, it's clear she's just getting started by co-signing collaborating with artists in the early stages of their careers. Next on the list, Marie Davies. After 10 years with the ICM as an agent representing R&B and hip-hop artists such as Kelly Rowland, Kodak Black, and Tayana Taylor, Davies secured the Live Nation Urban last year as VP of Talent Booking. She hit the ground running overseeing a 2023 festival slate that included Washington, D.C.'s 
Broccoli City Music Festival, Philadelphia's Roots Picnic Park Jams, and has worked with Mary J. Blige's second annual Strength of a Woman Festival and Summit. Next on the list is D-Mile. D-Mile's pen game is definitely on point between 21 and 22. He won an Academy Award alongside her for Best Original Song with Fight for You and Judas and Black and the Messiah and also became the first songwriter in Grammy history to win consecutive song awards. Hit Boy, after an impressive early 2010s run in the first half of his career, anchored his Grammy for the win with for Jay-Z and Kanye West's Thank you for listening into the nightly crowd catcher with Corey Bank. Everyone, get home safe. Have a great night's sleep, and we'll see you next time. Have a great night, everybody. Take care.